Back on the Jefferson Exchange on the news and information service of JPR, I'm Jeffrey Riley. We've reached that part of the year when there's a lot of brown mixed in with the green outdoors. Any plants not getting watered on purpose drift into the tan or brown on these hot, dry days. The green ones need water and attention from gardeners, from novice to expert, and we consult an expert from time to time. Lynn Kunzman from Jackson County Master Gardeners joins us on a regular basis, or irregular basis anyway, for Garden for Life. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Lynn is live, so you can send your questions right now to jx at jeffnet.org for a fast answer. And uh, Lynn, let's see. Before we get into the gardening issues, let's talk about the gardener. There was a recent announcement about Master Gardeners of the Year in Oregon. What hardware did you walk away with? Um, I, I am uh, Oregon, the uh, State of Oregon Master Gardener of the Year. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's a bit is there no, anything required? What's that? Quite a shock, <laughs> quite you're saying? Quite a shock. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a surprise. But, but you were, no you were Jackson County Gardener of the Year last year, weren't you? I, I was, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So it was just a matter of time. You're working your way up the chain here. I, I, I suppose that's how it works. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. in this role as statewide Master Gardener of the Year, is anything required of you? Do you have to visit all corner of the, corners of the state or be Grand Marshal in parades or anything like that? No, 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 no. It's just a recognition of the fact that I have, um, you know, been teaching not just in our area, but I mean, because I teach on your radio show and it reaches people all over, uh, you know, the, the Jefferson uh, area. And in Bury, um, England, as we pointed out. And in Mary England, yeah, sometimes <laughs> in Texas, yes. Uh, um, then... And also, I've been I've been teaching classes at other uh, in other counties and and up at the state uh, master gardener um, conference for the last two years, and so that reaches people from. Then I did a a webinar recently. Um, and there were people from Canada and and Minnesota and all over, like nine hundred people. Um, wow from all around. So, so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I guess my reach is further than I had imagined. And that <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, it's a little humbling, but, um, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad to be getting the message out to people. Well, I'm glad it's you're part of what we do life. here. It's, uh, it's good to, good to be able to use your expertise and, uh, and visit with you on a regular basis. Thanks. So uh, let's see. We have an email here from Gary, No Town Given. He says, Garden for Life is a nice enough program name, but more truthfully, it should be if it's not one darn thing, it's another. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and, and in the case in my yard, it's weeds, uh-huh. uh, just just uh, mammoth weeds that are taking over. That seem to be better in drought conditions or, you know, if I'm, I'm trying to water a garden to keep it alive, then it's just a constant fight with um, the weeds that come up. So yeah, I'm I notice sure if, if you're uh, dealing with that. Yeah, if you're if you're not uh, really precise with where you get your water aimed and have those little emitters right. and things, then then yeah, you encourage all the other things to grow up around it too. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but uh, but and to, the plants to, are mm-hmm. the plants are kind of struggling right now in these you know near triple and triple um, degree days because. Basically, they they kind of shut down and stop doing anything when the temperatures get anywhere over you know the low 90s. So people might be noticing that you know their plants just look like they're curled up during the day. They're they're trying to, to retain moisture. Um, so it's yeah, it's a rough time when the temperatures get this high. 
Yeah, and I've noticed uh, the thing about the plant slowing down in the heat. It's not just stuff in my garden, but, you know, I, I walk around the neighborhood enough to see other people's gardens, and, and I know other people's tomatoes look like they've scarcely gotten any different at all from day to day. Right, right. Well, they're certainly not growing, not putting on any vegetative growth. The fruits that are set already are probably ripening quite, you know, in the heat, but um, they're, they're probably not setting any new fruit. Um, they won't do that until the temperatures come down a little bit. And they're and they're certainly not putting on any vegetative growth. Um, the weeds, on the other hand, are just <laughs> yeah, the weeds have no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, when, when we call them weeds, it really is a judgment call, isn't it? It is. I mean, a, a weed is just a plant uh, where you don't want it, mm-hmm. right? And and in my case, uh, any kind of invasive plant that's where I don't want it, and I have plenty of those in my yard. My front yard's covered with Bermuda grass right now. Because I'm irrigating out there, I put my beans and squash out in the front yard, and I'm irrigating, and, and all the things that were there in the seat bed have sprung to life again. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, they are so resilient. Yeah, they are very. So. Lynn Kuzman with us once again for Garden for Life. This is a live segment, so we can uh, take your emails uh, as you hear them from Lynn, jx at jeffnet.org. Get the keyboard, jx at jeffnet.org, with your gardening question. You mentioned Bermuda grass just now, and I've been, uh, we've been doing a little grass research ourselves for grass that can actually be hardy enough to, to make it through without getting watered in the summer. It, you know, it'll go dormant. but. Right. Um, but and and St. Augustine grass we've noticed that uh, covers up a lot of other stuff. It seems to block out the other weeds from getting in there. But is, people don't seem to like things like Bermuda grass, though. What's what's the issue there? Right. Well, it just because it, it escapes the lawn and it and it gets into all your garden beds and it's soliniferous, so it runs uh, and it and it spreads quite aggressively. And um, you know it'll it'll take over the entire yard and. Um, so it's, it's problematic in a place where you don't want grass and you don't want to be mowing or, or have a lawn. It's not the thing you want. So, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm not a turf expert. Uh-huh. Um, I don't, I don't know, know about turf grasses. I know that, you know, our native bunch grasses, um, can make it through the season. Uh, once they're established, just fine without, um, supplemental irrigation. But, you know, most people don't want to have a bunch grass yard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, so uh, the, the back to Gary's point about, uh, about gardening generally, though, and if it's not one darn thing, it's another. I mean, it really is a process of problem solving. Um, and you've got to be fairly nimble at this, it seems like. Yeah, and, and um, you know, you have to be willing to stop and look and listen, just really observe what's going on in your yard. Um, this month in particular, it's really important if people have berries planted that they be irrigating those. Like they get about an inch of water uh, a, during during a week, and um, they they just need a lot of water to set good fruit. But but the other thing is now we've got a lot of pollinators out, and I'm hoping that people aren't just freaking out anytime they see a bug and running for a spray can mm-hmm. to squirt it because a lot of our pollinators are out and flying now. I've seen a lot more in my yard. Um, a lot of our little native bees, uh, a lot of the moths have emerged in our foraging. So people just need to be cognizant that those other living creatures are out there and most of them are beneficial or benign. Uh, <laughs> 
right? Know? Yeah, and they're not going to hurt your stuff. Yeah, and I, and I did that. Right. The part about yeah, I, I was momentarily uh, taken up short when you said uh, stop, look, and listen. But um, but the fact is that you do pay attention. It really is just about taking a moment there to use all of your uh, your senses and, and right. realize what's going on. And if you see motion, it's like oh yeah, there are little butterflies out there. I'm not going to mess with those things right now. Right, right, right. Or or the tiny bees or the little the little predatory wasps or. I got stung the other day in my front yard by a yellow jacket and thought, oh, no, this is right near the sidewalk, and I'm going to have to deal with it. And I was thinking, oh, I should go get some spray because the nest is close, but maybe it's far enough in. And I was back and forth and back and forth. I waited a couple of days because they weren't being aggressive, mm-hmm. you know. And finally, I just went to Goodwill and bought a set of Pyrex bowls, and I put the largest of those over the hole in, in the dead of night. And um, now the bees come up and they bang their heads on the glass. They can't get out, um, you know, because it's sealed around the edge. I kind of put some sawdust around the edge of the thing to hold it in place. And that nest will die um, without me having to spray or endanger anything else that might be out there. Uh So I'm kind of taking care of a problem that might have been problematic for people walking by with their dogs or their kids um, without the use of, Right. right, completely mechanical means. Congratulations, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I, I'm checking it every day. Little new bees are emerging, but they can't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. you just let it sit for a week or two. And all right, so, so that's some great problem solving stuff there. <laughs> can you can you still be surprised though after all this time, or do you still get head scratchers in, in your garden that make you go, oh, "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah, I I, I mean I I, I get. I get plants that are coming up that I don't recognize. It's like, okay, I don't know what that is. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll I'll let it go until it starts to set a flower so that I can I'll get an ID on it to see if is this something I, I want to keep or was this something I planted a while ago and I've forgotten about, you know. Uh, and And then if it's something that's problematic, and I always check to see, well, is this an invasive plant? Um, um, or is it, or is it something that I can let stay here? You know, um, I've got a honeysuckle that volunteered in my yard that I've got to remove because it's a Japanese honeysuckle and it, it shouldn't be out there, and I need to get it out spreading. Um, so, I, but I'd like to wait until I know what it is I'm dealing with um, before I just start going hog wild. Okay, so a little more analysis again. You know, stop looking. Yeah, listen, just... some research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Custom is with us for Garden for Life once again on the Jefferson Exchange and live this time. If you want to get an answer in in the next couple of minutes, uh, J- email jx at jeffnet.org. If it doesn't arrive in time, I'll save it for a future edition of Garden for Life. I want to come back to watering because it's so important right now. Um, and I know we've talked in the past about there are times you can get a little overly aggressive and overwater your stuff. What are the signs that you have overwatered versus underwater a plant? Right. Well, actually... They look very similar to lack of water. The plant will start to yellow. The leaves will curl. The plant will start to yellow. It will look like it's desiccated. And, in fact, the best thing you can do is go out with a shovel or some, you know, some long uh, tool and dig down um, a good 12 inches or more and see whether the soil down there is, in fact, dry or if it's saturated. Because if it's saturated, those roots are rotting, and the plant is it's starving for water because there's too much water, um, and it has caused the roots to rot. 
So it's a very, it's very tricky. I, I really uh, encourage people to dig down and find out what's going on down in the root zone um, because it's easy to overwater when you think a plant is stressed. Um, and it could, in fact, be in a place that retains water and, it, and it's having too much water. Okay, so dig down a little bit. If, if you've yeah. got... Yeah, all right. Let's see, we have... Um... We have an email from John in Ashland who asks, uh, something is eating all my figs as they ripen. Would an owl or a falcon decoy help solve this? Oh, like bird peck? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, you might try that. Um, or net the fig tree if it's small enough. Mm-hmm. I would get bird netting to put over it. That's the first kind of mechanical um, solution to that problem if he's actually having birds come in and and peck the fruit. Mm-hmm. I would say bird netting All right. um, probably would work better than the decoys. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've noticed too with uh, with some of the fruit trees, uh, cherry trees in particular, that uh, that some people uh, will hang those uh, strips of uh, silvery mylar off of them because they scare the birds away or something. But that... yeah, there are there are strips of mylar or uh, old CDs. People hang those, and they and when they flip in the wind, they you know they shine, they flash lights at the birds, and the birds don't like that, mm-hmm. so they'll stay away. So lots of lots of hazing. Um, I mean, you can look up hazing birds, because a lot of the fruit orchards and vineyards have to do that kind of stuff. You know, vineyards will play um, shrieks of red-tailed hawks uh, over oh. loudspeakers <laughs> over the vineyard, or they'll or they'll do, like, cannon booms, because the booms scare the starlings away, you know, those kinds of... Mm-hmm. You get a flock of birds that can come in and, and just destroy a crop in a, in a home tree or an orchard or, or a vineyard. So there are lots of hazing techniques to scare the birds away, and the mylar strips and the CDs are are one of those techniques. All right. So, so all right. Google yeah. that and see what come up with some creative stuff. But uh, for, the easiest thing is bird netting, and it, you don't have to hang a lot of individual stuff. Once you get it on the tree, you can get it up under it, and the birds can't get through it. Okay, bird netting. We'll keep that in mind for next time. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, used up our time already uh, this time around on Garden for Life. Thanks to John and Ashland for his question and for uh, Gary, I think in Ashland as well, for uh, for his question as well about gardening. And uh, Lynn Kunzman, Statewide Master Gardener of the Year. Congratulations again, and thanks for joining us once again for Garden for Life. My pleasure. All right, this is the Jefferson Exchange on JPR Short Break. We'll come back and talk about marine reserves in Oregon and the chance that you might get asked about them if you go to the Oregon coast. Stand by.